We are in our series, Breakthrough Disciplines. We're looking at these, these ancient practices of spiritual disciplines that can lead to a breakthrough. And I want to ask you, kind of do an inventory. How, how generous, or sorry, not generous. Well, how generous of a person are you? But how disciplined of a person are you? How disciplined of a person are you? Are you a person who, you know, really buckles down and gets to work and, and, and uh, has routines and all this stuff? Or are you a person who kind of flies by the seat of your pants, um, who's spontaneous? You know, I think it's good to have a little bit of balance both ways. And, and I'll just say this, that some of the most disciplined people that I know are some of the most boring people that I know. Right? They're just boring. They do the same thing every day. They wake up at the same time every day. They go to bed at the same time every day. They eat the same things. They, they go to the gym and they do the same things. And you're like, oh, I don't want to live life that way. That's too like restricting, right? But then you talk to them and you find out that they're some of the most fulfilled, purposeful, joyful people. And it's because they've disciplined themselves, which is kind of a paradox because we're like, well, that seems like more restricting to have more freedom. One, one uh, uh, Jocko Willink, who's a Navy SEAL, he says, discipline equals freedom. Discipline equals freedom. And that's so true. When you're a disciplined person and you have these practices in your life, you, you feel so much more confident and purposeful and free in your life. And so that's what we're talking about in this series. And I, I just want to, uh, you know, spiritually speaking, talk about disciplines, the spiritual disciplines of what Jesus came and showed us and modeled us and called us to do. Because Jesus said in t John 10.10 10, that we are to have a rich and satisfying life. And that rich and satisfying life comes through when we tap into our relationship with Jesus, when we trust Him with our whole being. And one of the ways we do that is through spiritual disciplines, through, through things like Bible and, and serving and giving and, and all of these things. And this is what a spiritual discipline is. This is my definition. This is kind of similar to last week if you were here last week, but I added one thing. Spiritual disciplines are things Jesus did that we can also do to grow closer to him. And then this is what I added, and become more like him. You know, the word Christian, it means to be a follower of Christ. To be a follower of Christ means we model our lives after Jesus' life. We do the things that he did. So we, we see in the Gospels all these things that he was doing, and he calls us to do that as well. And that's one of the ways that God blesses us. It's not that we earn his favor, but we, we experience more of his presence when we discipline ourselves spiritually. And, and this is the verse that I think of when I think of spiritual disciplines. My clicker, come on, don't do this. Oh, no. Okay, there we go. First uh, Timothy 4, 7. So, so Paul, who wrote this, he's writing to Timothy, who's a young church leader, and he's giving them this direction. But really, I think that this is applicable for any Christian, wherever you're at. But stay away from worthless stories that are typical of old women. Rather, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. For bodily training is just slightly beneficial, but godliness is beneficial for all things since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Now, Paul isn't picking on the golden girls here. That's not what he's doing. He's not picking on... What he's saying is, is don't waste your time with things that don't matter. 
Don't waste your time with things that don't matter. Don't fill your life with, with the, in the margins of, of things that just aren't very important. He's saying, rather, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. This is the NASB version, by the way, of this verse. Um, the NLT says something a little bit different. But, but this word discipline, this word discipline is, is gumnazo. That's the Greek word that this was translated from, discipline. Gumnazo. And gumnazo is the root of the word we know as gymnasium or gym. And so literally what Paul is saying here is he's saying you should do the way that you exercise and train and grow your body and your muscles and your endurance. You should bring the same mentality to your relationship with Jesus. You should bring the same mentality to your relationship with God. Who made the resolution to be more healthy and in shape this year? It's okay to raise your hand. Okay, no one. I guess some people are shy. Um, hopefully all of us at least resolve to do this a little bit, right, in our lives. Um, you know, and what do you do when you, you, you sign up for a gym membership? That's the first thing you do, right? You, you research, you go shopping and buy all the healthy food, and, and you research the best uh, workout programs, and, and maybe, you know, maybe you spent a lot of money on weights because you don't want to go to a gym. Weights are crazy expensive. If you ever bought like a 20-pound dumbbell, you guys know what I'm talking about. 20-pound dumbbell is like $50, and that's just one of the dumbbells, right? But we spend and we sacrifice and we, and we do all of these things for our physical bodies, and, and that's good. Paul is saying that that's good, and we should do that. But even more so, we should discipline ourselves, we should grow ourselves, we should train ourselves in godliness. And these are the spiritual disciplines. And so today we're going to talk about a spiritual discipline that I'm sure all of us, whether you're a Christian or not, have tried and it's this, it's prayer. We're going to talk about how to pray for a breakthrough. Now, I'm going to make a confession. I'm not good at prayer. I'm just not. It's, it's, been, it's been the thing that I have struggled with by far the most in my spiritual life. I've always struggled to pray because, you know, you sit down and, and it's like, you know, what am I supposed to say right now? How long am I supposed to do it? Like, uh, you know, I, I, you have all these questions go through your head, and then you get distracted, and then, and then you fall asleep. You know, all these things happen when we try to pray sometimes. And so we hear about these people who pray for hours a day, and you're like, oh, my gosh, how, did they, how do they do that? You know, how do they press into God that intentionally for hours a day? And I believe, this is what I believe, I believe all of us can do that. I really do. And we're going to talk about how to do that today. And, and today's sermon is going to be, it's going to be very practical, very practical, because the Bible is very practical on how to pray. Jesus was very specific when talking about prayer, but it's also going to be very challenging. And it was very challenging for me as I was preparing this to teach this because, you know, prayer, again, is something that that's, that's how we communicate with God. And I'm going to wait a little bit later in the sermon to define what biblical prayer is. I'm going to leave you hanging a little bit. But I want, to, I want to get into the points. You know, I want all of us, I want us to grow in our prayer lives regardless of where we are. And so we're going to look at how to do that. And the first thing, the first thing is this. It's, it's probably the most important point, honestly. Commit to praying daily. Commit to it daily. You know, this is easy, right? We all know this. Commit to praying daily. But seriously, this, this if we did this, we would grow so much in our prayer life, in our relationship with Jesus. I promise you that. 
You know, it's okay if, if prayer is, is intentional. It's also okay if it's proactive. You know, you might have some time in between stuff that you're doing and you can sit down and pray rather than pull out your phone and scroll through your phone. I was just listening to, uh, speaking of phones, I was just listening to a podcast and they did a study, and you know the thing about studies is they're all correct, um, but they did a study and they said the average American touches their phone just just like I just did, touches it, looks at it, maybe even just touches it, doesn't look at it, over 2,500 times a day. Isn't that crazy? Like that's, that's what all of us go to, but, but if we can commit to praying daily, we can, when we go to reach for our phone, we can instead, we can pray. We can pray. You know, um, I believe that prayer, it's, it's quantity over quality. And let me explain that. Okay, let me explain that. There was a photography class, and the teacher, he said that half of the class was going to be graded on one picture for the whole semester, one picture. The other half of the class, they were going to be graded on hundreds of pictures that they took. And so, you know, the, the people who were tasked with taking one picture and being graded on it, they, they were doing all this research, they were thinking about it, they, you know, and then they finally took the picture. The other group, they were just snapping pictures left and right, as much as they can. Guess which group produced better pictures? Second group, the one who took hundreds of pictures, because quality came through quantity. As they were taking the pictures, they could see, okay, this lighting doesn't really work, and then they'd snap another few pictures, and the more they did it, by far the best pictures came from that second group of people, not the first group. The first group actually produced pretty bad, mediocre pictures because they thought so much about it. They, they were thinking so much about it that they just didn't do it, right? They weren't taking pictures. They were researching how to take a good picture. So we can buy our prayer journals and we can do all of these things, but ultimately, the thing that's going to build and grow our prayer lives is to commit to doing it daily. And prayer isn't like going to the gym where you have to take a break. Do it every day. It's, it's, it's going to build you up, it's going to refresh you, and you're going to go closer to God. This is what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. One of the shortest verses in the Bible, everyone should memorize it, never stop praying. Never stop praying. Now, this verse isn't saying that the only thing we should do is pray, because as we see in the life of Jesus, that Jesus did other things, right? Jesus served, and Jesus studied, and Jesus taught, he did all these other things, but, but what this is saying is that we should always have a posture of prayer. Prayer should always, you know, we should, again, intentionally set time aside for prayer, but we should also just have this constant uh, awareness of the presence of God in our lives so that when we have an issue, we go to God and we say, you know what, God, I'm really struggling with this right now. It's instant access to His presence. Never stop praying. And it's going to be easy to, to commit to praying daily if you make it realistic. You know, often we see these like prayer warriors and they wake up at 3 a.m. and they, you know, they walk out in the jungle and they pray for four hours and then go and, you know, like, don't start that way. Please don't start that way. You'll, you'll make it maybe one day. Like, make it realistic. Don't say that I'm going to pray every morning at 4 a.m. at the top of Mount Ogden, right? That, that's not a realistic time and place for you. See where the patterns of your life are and then commit to praying intentionally during those times and then take advantage of the other times to pray as well. 
That's the first thing. Commit to praying daily. The second thing is use scripture and music to get focused in your prayer time. You know, I think often we think of prayer has to be this quiet, I'm alone, it's dark, I'm, I'm on my knees praying, and it, you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. You, you can use other spiritual disciplines like worship and, and Bible reading to enhance your prayer life. In fact, for me personally, this is the time that I've had the most powerful encounters with God is when, I was, when I, I'm a music uh, nerd and whatever, and I love music, and not ACDC or something like that, but worship music, worship music that's glorifying God and focusing on Him. Use, use Scripture, you know, pray through Scriptures. There's so many prayers in Scriptures that we can pray. Look at this one, Psalm 145. This is David praying, and he's saying, I will exalt you, my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. This is David, how he begins his prayer of praising God for who he is, for what he's done, for how much he loves him, for how great he is. We can pray the Psalms. That's okay. It's okay to pray what other people have prayed. And we've all seen this. Maybe you've seen this. We looked at this last week, but I added an E and an R on it. Prayer, this acronym of praise, repent, ask, yield, expect, repeat. Prayer should always start with praise. It should always start with reminding yourself of of who you're praying to, who you're communicating to. Repenting then is, is asking God, God, show me the areas of my life where I need to more fully honor you. I'm not fully trusting you. Asking, we all know how to ask, right? Yielding is being quiet. It's being quiet and just saying, God, I'm not going to say anything right now, but I want you to say something through me and to me. And then E is expect. Expect that God is listening. Expect that he's he's going to respond to your prayer and then repeat, you know, keep repeating this, this cycle of prayer. And, you know, like this seems like a really rigid and, and unspiritual thing. But honestly, I use this all the time in my prayers because I'm just like you. I, I, I sit down and I I'm, intend to focus and then I can't focus. And so I go through this acronym, P-R-A-Y-E-R. And then I'll repeat it. And then I'll repeat it. And, and after a while, you know, you realize you've been praying for longer and longer and longer, and it gets easier and easier and easier to pray, and it almost comes naturally to you. So use this if it's helpful. And then this, this is a really, really helpful uh, tip. If your mind wanders when you pray, I should say when your mind wanders when you pray, let those thoughts help you focus on the things that need prayer. You know, uh, one of the reasons, again, that I, I'm not good at prayer is because I sit down and I immediately start thinking about every possible thing in the world that I could think of, right? Like my mind's been so dull the whole day, and then I sit down to pray. I start thinking, I'm like, God, you know, thank you so much, Lord, for who you are and for what you... Did, did I send that email earlier today? I can't remember if I... Oh, yeah, no. And then, uh, yeah, just you're so good to me, God. And, and oh, yeah, no, I did send it, but... I forgot to pick this thing up for my wife. Ah, oh, shoot, she's going to be so mad at me. You know, she, I hope she's going to let me go golfing this weekend. And then that's what it turns into. That's what prayer turns into, right? And we get so distracted. Oftentimes, though, when something's on our heart, and we know when something 
is on our heart. We know when we're, we can't get something out of our head. If that's the case, it's big enough to, prayer, to pray to God about. You know, especially I know that when I'm mad at a person and I just have bitterness in my heart and, and I just can't get over it, right? And I sit down and pray and I'm thinking about that person or maybe something pops into my head. You know, pray about those things. God cares about what's on your heart. He does. You don't have to always pray like these and thous and, and make it super formal. It can be messy. It can be, it can be all over the place. Because God cares about and God knows what's on our hearts even before we pray it. This is what John Ortberg said in his book, The Life You've Always Wanted, which is about spiritual disciplines. He says, if my mind keeps returning to a particular topic during prayer, it is probably an indication that this is the, this is the topic that is of most concern to me and I need to talk to God about it. You know how often we worry and we stress, and we're anxious, and we, and we dwell on these thoughts. Even during prayer, they pop up. Why don't we stop and pray about those things <laughs> and ask God, God, why am I so worried about this thing? You know, why, where am I not trusting you? What's, what's the root of this, right? So the, these are really practical. You know, we, we commit to praying daily. We use Scripture um, and music to pray. We, we let our thoughts kind of lead us in prayer. Now, the last two are going to be a little bit more challenging, probably for most of us, because really we should pray with boldness and expectancy. We should pray with boldness. As, as followers of Jesus, we should pray with such a bold faith because of the God that we serve. Yet so often we don't. You know, I we think of... Think of the prayers that you've prayed in the last week or the last month or the last year and ask yourself this question. If all of those prayers were answered, what would be different? What would be different? Uh, God, I, I pray that you would protect me today. Okay, that's good. That's, you can pray that. God, I, I pray that um, you would bless this cheeseburger to my body. Okay, maybe, maybe. God, I pray that, you know, you would, you would be with, uh, keep us safe and, and healthy and everything like that. And, and we, we pray these, you know, not that those things are bad, but we pray these prayers that are so comfort-based, that are so, God, really what I'm asking you is just, just don't let anything bad happen in my life, ever. Help me to be comfortable and, and uh, yeah, pain-free. That'd be great. That's what we pray. That's, that's the root of a lot of our prayers, I would say. But this is, th this is uh, really challenging to me, you know, because, because if I think, you know, what would be different if my prayers were all answered the way that I wanted them to be answered, not much would be different with me or in the world. You know, everything that's happened in the last week, praying a bold prayer, God, heal our nation. Only you can. Like literally only you can. God, help me to overcome this addiction that has been plaguing me for years. God, through your power. God, search my heart. That's a scary prayer. God, search my heart and know my anxious thoughts. Search me. God, God this is even scarier to me. God, do whatever you need to do in my life so that I would follow you wholeheartedly.
That's a bold prayer. God, send me wherever you want to send me. God, regardless of my personal comfort or preferences, God, this is what I want. I want you to send me where you want me to be, not where I want to be. God, grow our church. Help us to be effective in this community. Help us to impact the world. You know, we think of these things and we're like, well, you know what? That can't happen. That won't happen. And you know what? This is what James says. He says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Has great power and produces wonderful results. And why? It's because when we pray, we're not praying to Joe Schmo, right? We're praying to literally the God of the universe, the creator and the sustainer of all things. This is a God who he says in his word that, that humanly speaking, things are impossible, but with him, everything is possible. And do we believe that when we pray? Are our prayers prayed in a sense that, God, I know that you can do anything, and I believe that you can do anything, and I expect that you can do anything. I mean, Jesus literally raised people from the dead. You read in the Old Testament, seas were parted. I mean, entire armies were wiped out, all because God is who God is, and he's strong enough, and he's big enough. And so if he's big enough and strong enough to do those things, he's big enough and strong enough to... to uh, to really be present in your life and to do the things that you're asking him to do. You know, some of us, just honestly, have not because we ask not. Really. We say to ourselves, you know what, that's too big for God. Like, we don't say that, but, but really, that's, that's why we don't pray it. That's too big for you, God. You know, you can't, you can't do that. So I'm going to pray about these easy things. Keep me safe, bless my food. Give me a good night's sleep, right? We pray about these things. Now, I want to be careful here because some of us have not because we ask not, but I don't want to twist Scripture as some people do. And they say, you know what? If you ask for a million dollars, it's yours. If you ask for this, it's yours. If you believe it by faith, right? And then, you know, have you ever gotten a dollar sent to you in the mail by some of these televangelists. They literally send you a dollar bill. They're like, hey, send the, you know, but you got that, now send us money. So when you get the million dollars, send us 200,000 of it, right? This is all self-seeking, self-purpose. But this is why I waited to give you the biblical definition of prayer because, yes, we should pray bold prayers. We should be expectant because of who God is. But this is prayer. This is the Greek word, for prayer, this is the definition. It's interacting with the Lord by switching human wishes or ideas for His wishes as He imparts faith. It's communicating with God by switching our human wishes and ideas for His wishes as He imparts faith. And you know what? Sometimes our wishes are His wishes. Sometimes it is. Sometimes we pray for something and God answers it the way that we wanted him to. But sometimes it doesn't happen that way. And that's why we need to pray with humility and submission. This is the other side of the coin. 
of boldness and expectancy is humility and submission. You know, we have a God who can, who has the ability to do all of these things, but, but sometimes, as all of us know, sometimes He doesn't answer our prayers the way that we want Him to. Even when we believe that He is all-powerful and he, he can do that. You know, but God isn't our genie in a bottle who we rub the lamp and He comes out and He grants our wishes. That's not who God is. God doesn't serve us. We serve Him. And so this is why, yes, we're on God's side, boldness, expectancy, but humility and submission. Jesus said this in, this, in the, in how to pray, he was talking to his disciples and he said, may your kingdom come soon, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's teaching the disciples how to pray and he's saying, may your God's kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, why would, why would Jesus tell us to pray this way? Well, it's because we only see such a small part of the picture. Right? We, we, we see a lot. God made us into incredible, creative beings, but we're made in His image. And we only see a speck of what God is doing. And this is hard. This is difficult to, to understand. You know, sometimes things happen and we just don't, God, why did you do this? Why would you allow this to happen? It doesn't make sense to me why you would do this. God sees the whole picture. He's painted the whole picture, and he sees everything. And, you know, I just personally, um, I know all of us go through trials and hardships and difficulties, and I'm not minimizing those. In fact, I still have a few in my life that I think of, and I'm like, you know what? That still doesn't make sense to me. Why, why you would allow this to happen? But I also know that God is faithful. God will be faithful. And he's proven that time and time again in my life. And in the lives of so many people out here. And he will. He, said, he promises it in his word. That for those who love him, he's going to work all things together for the good. Ultimately, we will see God's purposes. But it's never in our timing. It's always in His timing. And, and this is most powerful, the, the most powerful example of, of humility and submission actually comes from Jesus Himself. As, as He's praying to God in the Garden of Gethsemane, He says, He went on a little further and bowed His face to the ground, praying, My Father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. You know, I don't think we can understand this fully. Obviously, this is Jesus crying out to God before. He knows he has to go to the cross. He has to pay this price. And he says, God, I don't want to. If there's any other way, take it away from me. That's bold. That's expectant. But then he says, yet, I want your will, not mine. 
Jesus can relate at our deepest level of hurt and pain and worry and anxiety. He was, he was so stressed in this moment, he was most likely sweating blood. That's how stressed he was. And he's crying out to God something very bold, but ultimately with submission. And we know what happened because Jesus was betrayed. He did go to the cross. He did die an unjust, undeserved death. But that's not the end of the story. Because he also rose from the grave and he overcame death through his power. And when we trust in him, anything is possible. But we also know that not everything that we want will happen. And ultimately, God's will will be done in our lives. And so maybe, I hope that this will be an encouragement to you today. And Jesus, the last promise I want to leave with you is Jesus said, if you, if you seek me, you will find me. That's what he said. He promised that. If you seek me, you will find me. And you'll experience true life through trusting in Jesus as your Savior. Let's pray together. God, we are just so humbled, Lord, by the amount of love that you have for us. God, even when we don't see it, even when we don't understand it, God, God, we know that you're doing things. You're working 24-7 on our behalf, Lord, and we do know and believe, God, that you are working all things together for our good, God, for those of you for those who have, who have put their trust and their faith in you as their Savior, God. So I pray that we would be people, followers of you, who would have a big, bold faith and who would have a submission and a humility, understanding, God, that we don't always see the whole picture, but you do. God, and you love us. You love us more than we could even begin to imagine, Lord. And so I, I just pray, God, for all these people in here, for myself included, Lord, that we would recognize who you are. God, what you've done for us. And God, that that would move us to each and every single day connecting with you intentionally through prayer. God, we don't have to have it all together because of your grace. God, we don't have to live perfectly because of your grace and your mercy. So God, give us a clear picture of you. God, help motivate us, Lord, as, as we go through this series and we're talking through these disciplines, that they would come from a posture of submission to you. God, not to earn your favor, not to earn your love, God, but to grow closer to you. And I pray, God, that if there's anyone in here this morning, maybe who, who's just really been struggling, Maybe there's a lot going on in their lives, God. I don't, I don't know where everyone's at, but God, I know that everyone is, is here for a purpose. God, and you love everyone, and you desire a relationship with everyone. God, I pray that you would draw us to you, God, and that, that you would be glorified and honored through our lives. God, so we love you so much, Lord, and we pray as we end this service, God, that we would really just, uh, just worship you, praise you. God, give you the worth that your name deserves, the name of Jesus. 
for everything that you've done for us and for what you're going to do. We pray these things in your name.